Let's hear it again. Let's see if I can do it. NBC Nightly News. Well, Tom Brokaw, the greatest generation. Tom Brokaw while sucking on a mouthful of rocks. Uh-huh. Dana Carvey always said the trick to a Tom Brokaw impersonation is pretending you're holding back a burp. What's up, boss? This is Abraham's wallet. We span the gap between the austerity of obedience to God and the prosperity rising from faithfulness. Run your home and your dough like a biblical boss. Hi, bros. It's Steven here. I got a kind of an interesting pod to throw at you today. And here's the thing. Since Biden was elected, and especially since his being inaugurated and all questions about whether it would actually happen or not, finally being settled, I've had a lot of um, guys asking me, what do I do about it? What, what do I think about it? What, how, what do I tell my wife and kids? And I just wanted to talk about that, basically. How do we as family leaders react to a Biden presidency. And, and, and my main point, as you'll hear in a second, is that there will be cultural changes taking place under a new administration. And you could say that you could say that the White House is the king of the culture in that policies are created um, out of the White House with farther reaching effects than any TV show could do, any movie could do, any book or any philosophy could do, that these things um, affect our culture in profound ways. So I pulled my buddy uh, Jeff Davenport on, and we're just going to talk through some thoughts. I, I, I hope that you will hear that I'm not trying to get, castigate the man. Uh, I, I do want to pull together, here are some policy beliefs of his administration and what these things might mean culturally. But I, I'm trying to look at things uh, not from any partisan terms at all. The funny thing is, if you're a kind of a partisan guy, you'll probably be offended one way or the other. But that's that's not really my interest. My my interest is in kingdom matters. So we're going to be talking about some things that we can expect to be coming our way culturally, and then how do we respond to them as far as the way that we lead our the way that we. Sorry, I just stepped on my dog's tail. Okay, so here's the setup for today. Um, uh, uh, Joe, Joseph Joe Biden, has just been elected as the President of the United States. And he's been, well, he's not just been elected. I guess they settled it with an inauguration. That was the way to settle. Who are you got doing elected. this? Is this yeah. Are you just telling me? No, I'm doing it. And um, we here on The Wallet are interested in people, uh, dudes, trying to lead their families uh, toward God. And so how do you do that um, when, when the social climate is changing, the weather is changing in the social climate? And so we're going to talk today about navigating the climate changes culturally as a new administration comes in. And uh, so, uh, here to talk to me about it because of a f- call that we had and some convos we've had earlier is my old good friend, Jeff Davenport. Are you there, Jeff? I am. I'm calling in. Okay, By there the he is. Calling in reminds me 
Larry King died. That's right. Larry King died. Yeah. I met him once. He signed my book. And I, and I, this is so, this is, this will tell you, you said good old friend. This will tell you how old I am. I used to call into his national radio show and I got right. on a couple of times asking right. dumb questions. To be funny or because you really wanted Larry King's answers? It was back and forth. I wanted to be on the radio is what I wanted. <laughs> yeah. And then sometimes it would be things like, you know, I don't know, where are my keys? Now, when you and I used to write letters to one another and you would send them to me in England, there was usually a section of the letters that was the Larry King section of the letters. My favorite part. He would write a column for USA Today and it was King's Things. King's and it Things. Was, and it was probably a paragraph of, let's say, 30 very short sentences that had no rhyme or reason. Almost non sequiturs. Complete non sequiturs. The best the best Fruit Loop is the green one, right? I, I think, and then a political statement. And then right, the right, Chiefs right. are the best team to ever come. It, and it was, you'd read them and go, well, who does this guy think? Wait, I want to write like that. And uh -huh. it was such a blast because it's, it's your little popping. Yeah, pop. everything he would think during the course of a day, just come yes. into his mind. Mm -hmm. Go like, his, his best granola bars. If you're looking for the best granola, gosh, he's the only one. Yeah, he loved it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that guy. And now he's dead. And so. Well, as oh. happens to all toad-like men. <laughs> oh, well. So, Jeff, before we get into the subject at hand, you, you just completed one of the most important things that could happen in your year. You just went away and did the summit with your wife. I sure did. Tell we, us about it. We went away. To, we live in outside Denver. We went to Fort Collins, which is just north of uh, Denver and the Boulder area. The goal was... Let's look back at last year and let's look into the year to come. And our, our headline for last year, we had more strength and stability than I think you would have, we, I would have expected us. Than we thought we did. That's pretty yes. nice. It felt like we were tested and God went, you guys did well. Didn't you do well? Didn't, Great. Didn't, you know how God does. It's not him going, huh, let's see. It was more, I want to show you what your medal is. So that went great. And then looking into this year, uh, this will be a, a, a interesting year for us, a big year for us. And so looking into that and trying to plan those things out. We love the summit. We, uh, my wife is the driver on it. She's the one who's got the papers. Oh, God bless her. Yes. Cause I don't, I I'm constantly looking at her going, I'm not sure where we are in this process. She's like, right. don't worry about it. Well, we'll get what we're going to do breakfast and we're going to talk about this. Great. And I oh, can get man. my head in and go, yeah. I don't know what else we're going to talk about, but right now I can focus on this. And with, with her administrating, that's the win. That's the win. I, I don't want to sound like a commercial, but anybody who's listening, who hasn't done this, um, it's fabulous. We just plain love it. We, we end up passing it off to so many other people. And if you're sitting there feeling intimidated by it, I, I felt intimidated by it at first, Yeah, but, but if you're both in on it, you, you get something good. And, and I, I, this was the first year, Stephen, and I, I'd be curious if you've heard this from other people that it felt, it felt easier in, in the way of, of we're going, we didn't, we didn't, we don't have a ton of things to adjust. Right. We've, we've done our big adjustments and now, I mean, yeah, there's little things. Okay. We're going to change this, how we do about Sabbath. We're going to move the end. Maybe let's not feel like we have to do this, but it feels like we're more, we're in a good flow. And there wasn't now the first couple of years, there were, there were more wholesale changes, 
but not nearly as much. Yeah, I think it's really gratifying when you get to a place that you've described, which is you're kind of looking at the patterns of your family and your marriage and you're kind of going, I think we're doing pretty good. Okay, well, great. Well, what do you think you need in this next year? Well, I want more reading time. Great, we can do that. That's not a problem. I want I want to have coffee with Sally on Thursdays. Not a problem. We can do that. Instead of the way we're running our family doesn't work. That's a big that's a big scary statement. But yeah, I like I like it when we get to that place where things are a little gentler. And so did you stay in a hotel? It was a wonderful. It was an autograph collection oh good did they take your autograph they give you an autograph either you know i he it was it it felt a little flattering okay when i came up he said can i get you to sign and i'm like oh oh but it was he said no it's for the bill it's for the bill okay well you know you gotta have i found it on ebay later that day so i I think he was lying (laughs) yep we had a great weekend it was wonderful it was productive and then i i came back uh challenged and invigorated good wonderful well as we dive into this deal, which I'm, I just titled my little notes, reacting to a Biden presidency as a family leader. I have many, many caveats before we begin. Okay. So the first one is we, uh, Mark and I did a podcast right before the election. And, and I was saying, here's how we are going to pray for and react to a president. So here, here's the first caveat. First Timothy two, one through four. This is this is review material, but maybe this is your first time hearing us. We believe the Bible. Here's what it says. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So today's little uh, little conversation is for whoever you are on whatever side of the political spectrum. My assumption is simply that you love God and you want to raise your family to honor him and his Torah. So I'm, the first thing that, that we that we're gonna do, um, which is why I read this passage, is that we're gonna pray for this man, Joe Biden. And our good friend uh, David Sheldon says, anytime I fe- I kind of feel like I'm praying for somebody that I have any reservations about, my little watch out is that I only pray for him what I would pray for myself. So you wouldn't pray that, uh, uh, Lord, give him cancer and let him die quickly. Uh, that's a curse, and that's witchcraft. So you don't do that. So, so I'm going to give you a couple things that you could pray for, for Joseph Biden. And these would be things that we would pray for ourselves. So the first, based on the passage we just read, is that we'd pray for his salvation. And now, I don't know the state of his heart. I don't know the guy. Um, but from outward appearances, um, I, I, I understand that he's Catholic, but I don't hear out of his mouth any faith in Jesus Christ as his Savior. So I would pray for him, pray for him to be saved. Second, this should be true for, you would pray this for yourself and for any, any world leader that we have to submit to. We would pray for wisdom and for the wise to come alongside him. 
I'd rather that all of his advisors would speak according to God's spirit and that he would have what he would always act in wisdom, whether he knows it or not, because so many people are going to be affected by his decisions. And then we could also pray this, and you could pray this for yourself. Pray that all of the evil that would come out of him would be thwarted. Everything that he would intend that would be fleshly or self-glorifying or not according to God's purposes would be thwarted. Okay, so that's my, that's my, one of my first caveats is that I'm not against this man. Uh, that doesn't help me to be against him. I'm for him and I'm praying for him. Okay, so um, if you love the fact that Biden was elected and you love him in office, there are some Christian angles that you should consider going forward. And no partisan cheerleading on your part is worth losing the heart of your family over. So I want you to take this discussion to heart. If you're a pro-Biden person, I'm going to say some things that um, I hope are disconcerting to you as a Christian. If you love Trump and you voted for him and you were cheerleading for him, I encourage you to get over the fact that Biden is your president. And there are some Christian angles that you should consider and no spoiled grapes or conspiracy theories are worth losing the heart of your family over. So I want you to take this discussion to heart as well. Um, I, I want to. I don't know if this. I don't know if this touches your world, Jeff. But for me, going into the election and between election time and inauguration, I typically have my ear to the ground for what quote the prophets are saying. Um, and that's a, a weird, that's a weird world. Second Chronicles 2020 says, listen to the prophets and you will succeed. Pretty, pretty simple verse. Listen to what the prophets are saying. And you'll succeed. I, so I always have my ear to ground. What are the prophets saying period at any given time? Now the question is, who are the prophets? That's a, that's a long discerning process to figure out who are the prophets. Those might be people in your local community. Certainly there are kind of people that I have trusted that I sort of listen to from afar. Um, I'm thinking of national-ish figures uh, like Chris Vallotton, um out of uh, Bethel in California. A lot of people have heard of him. You know, I don't know, successful people. Jeremiah Johnson is a popular guy who's, you know, got a national voice. Were, were you, did you, did you hear what any of these people were saying? And I would throw the cue the Q crowd in there as well. These are people who are saying this is what's going to happen and this and this. Did you hear those kind of people? Uh, it was all trickle down. I'd hear from people who heard from people. Okay. And there were people who were very passionate about it. People in our family, very, very passionate about it. But to be honest, I, I, I felt like I had other things to focus on and I, and I struggled with it because I thought, is God saying, no, 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 this is massive. You should be yeah. focusing on this. And I just always sense God going, it's not your business. Right? Yeah. You don't worry about it. Other people are thinking about these things. I have these other things I want you focusing That's on great. in the next few weeks. And I felt very free from that. That's great. I, I was the same. There are people around my life who are wound up about this kind of stuff. All I want to say is this. If you were listening to any, uh, quote, prophetic voices, as I was partially regarding election and stuff, I just want to say this, some significant comeuppance is due to them based on the fact that they put their, they put their voices out in the world. I'm going to use names here just to talk about them real quick because you can look them up. They said these things. 
There's a there's a kind of kooky lady named Cat Carr. She has pink hair. She she claims to have visited heaven on a couple of occasions, and she would just shake her fist at the microphone or video camera and just go, I know that Donald Trump's going to be the next president. And that's just there. He's going to have two terms and they're just, God says it. And that's all there is to it. And, and, um, there's a guy named Chuck Pierce who I generally like. He's a, he's a Texas guy. And he said, come January 18th, it's all going to be over. And all I can say is these people were wrong. So it's, it wasn't settled January 18th. So all I'm saying to all of you is you can mute these people in the short term. And please remember to take everything they say from now on, take it with a grain of salt. Every, at all, I mean, Chris Vallotton and Jeremiah Johnson included. Now, now, both of those guys put out statements that, hey, I was wrong. I really blew it on that which is commendable and also doesn't change the fact that they were wrong. So when they speak, they will, I, I know how these people work. They're going to give predictions going forward. Um, they're not going to go away. And we have to just kind of shrug our shoulders at these people and go like, okay, well, when Second Chronicles 2020 tells me to listen to the prophets, it does, but also in the Old Testament, you'd all be dead now because you your your name has been sullied by your inaccuracy what what i think hurts the church is when these people they're like the sportscaster that calls who's going to win the basketball game they get it wrong and they'll be back next week and they'll get it wrong again and they just have the same platform they can just keep but it doesn't work that way for prophets in the church. We, we don't just shrug or shrug, oh, they got it wrong. They're only human like me. I'll listen to them next time. No, don't do that. They, we, we do actually have track records and they matter. So I'm, I'm going to move on from that point. But I have, to, I have to say that about the people that were wrong because there's people in my world who are very shook by the, the, um, the amount of weight they put to these people's words. Are some of these people, so you say a couple of them are apologizing, are the rest sort of going, look, we were right. It's just not in the way you... you That's exactly they- right. Now there's a new parsing of the language. You know, I said everything would be settled on January 18th. I didn't say that it would co- it would come out that way. I didn't, I didn't say it would look settled. I said it would be settled. So in the spirit world, these things are settled now. Like, no... No, no. Okay. I think there's a lot of people who are who are struggling with this, but I think I think there's also a lot of people who are dealing with people who are struggling with it. I, if I had to guess, I'd say yeah. a lot of people listening are aren't going. Oh man, what? I think they're going. I have friends and family who are really drawn off sides by this, and I'm having trouble communicating with them. Uh, yes. In, this, in the in the post. Yes. You know, the the and- Monday morning. Yeah, and my old buddy Walt says, no matter which way you go, we're, we have to be ministers of reconciliation, Wh- whichever way you go. We should be throwing our arm around both sides, people who um, maybe they feel like victorious and they get a little puffed up and they want to say, now those people can shut up and we're supposed to put our arm around them and say, no, come on, I'll, I'll help you through this. You know, let's talk and I'll help pastor you through this. Or there's somebody who 
feels devastated that their guy didn't win and we should put our arm around them and say come on no it's all right god has a plan talk to me through your your frustrations etc that we're supposed to be ministers of reconciliation whichever way you go and i think you're right jeff um that we are we're connected to people who are um who could be extreme on both sides um okay so my next point is that the there's just a fact and i and i hope that we're being fair and maybe you can help me jeff if i ever sound unfair but i my my again my interest isn't partisan my interest is christian so here's a fact the new administration has a wildly different set of beliefs than the previous one and with congress and a and a soft supreme court on its side it will run roughshod over our culture so I believe that that some kind of review is in order so that family leaders will know what's happening in our culture. I would venture a guess that I'll, I'll probably tell you some things, Jeff. You're pretty in touch politically, but uh, just based on the things that I found out, you might be hearing some news. You go, oh, I did not know that. Or secondly, you'll be able to get ahead of it to lead and train your family. And I include your wife in that too, because the things that are in the cultural stew will affect us. I mean, I think of um, the sex talk that you want to have with your children when they're of age because you want to describe to them the power, the beauty, and the glory of what God intended in sex before the world comes and co-ops that thing to any number of perversions. So you're going to be first to market on those ideas. So that's what I'm trying to do is just set up our father's so they can be first to market on some of the things that will be coming down the pipe with with uh, the Biden administration. Clear? Yes. Okay, so I'm going to tell you about some Biden policies. Um, and on all I'm doing is I'm combining with executive orders that he made the first day he was in office. I have a list of those. I'm going to I'm going to cherry pick the ones I think are salient. And I'm going to couple those with campaign promises that he made about this is what he plans to do and i'm simply going to make some general points about how we can lead our families with these things okay do you so, think there's a guy out there named job iten i-t-e-n and he's going he's constantly going what I, me no, <laughs> no not you the president and every time the tv's on he he's like did somebody call me what job, what's the deal that's me job iten <laughs> job iten um Okay, so the first day that 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 Joe was in office, he he passed seventeen um, uh, executive orders. I'll, I'll just zing through a, a couple of them. Wait, can you? Um, I think I think some. Yeah, go term, on now. A term is is worthy of definition here because this is a. You said I'm up on politics. I am out on. I have. I used to be Mister. I'd watch the McLaughlin Group every week. Uh. And I'd read George Will and that whole thing. I'm pretty out lately. Talk to us a little bit about executive orders. What does that mean? Because that was a big hot thing with with Mr. Trump, and now it's a big hot thing with Mr. Eiton. Yeah. Where? What does that mean? Okay. Are those legal? That whole thing. All right. Well, I'm not the best guy to ask about this, but um, my understanding is an executive order um, isn't a law. Um, however, it's a policy change, and and uh, the president um, determines the way the nation's going to go. 
So when he makes an executive order, he'll make an executive order going, we're going to have YMCAs in every county in the United States. And suddenly everybody's scrambling because he just declared it. And usually an executive order comes with money attached to it. And so things get moving. And so they, they again, they're not laws, but they significantly affect the way that things are going to go. And you'll hear by some of these, well, like one of them is, uh, he, he made a declaration, we're going to stop building the border wall of Mexico. So the, the second he says that, they're going to stop. You might have heard of this big uh, pipeline that was thousands and thousands and thousands of jobs. And he just goes, we're not doing that anymore. Well, but how, how is that? How is that if Congress said, this is what we've all agreed, this is what we're going to do. So we've allocated funds. Is our government, is this a, is this a, a, a hitch in the, is this a loophole? No, I don't think he can. I don't think he can overturn um, congressional acts, but the, these are kind of like, they're, 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 again, they're not laws and they're not acts. They're, they're little um, features of our nation and our government. He, he uh, President Trump declared, we're going to pull out of the World Health Organization. And he just declared that. And then, okay, well, you're, you're kind of in charge of that committee. So I guess we are. Hmm. And the, Biden's first day back, he said, we're going to rejoin the World Health Organization. And that comes with a lot of money. And Fauci is going to retain his place as grand poobah of, of this, of the way we see health and medicine. So it, it's just their cultural things, which is, which why they, which is why they matter, but they might not register for somebody because it's not a new law. So you might think, oh, that's not a big deal. It is a big deal because it will shape our culture, especially when you especially when you lump them together and you go, oh, this is the shape of the world that he's going to create, him and him and his people. I, th I think it's important to understand that because if you don't, I think there's a certain amount of, of um, uh, ignorance around what a president can and cannot do. Uh, yeah. well, he can do anything. You know, he's going to ruin our country. Oh, because right, right, this, right. This, this, and this. Well, you know, there are certain checks and balances. And yeah, so it's, I think it's helpful to understand what is an executive order. Yeah, I, I, en I enjoyed the, Bab the Babylon Bee headline that said, um, dictator, fascist dictator for life voted out of office. <laughs> that's right. Because <laughs> that's what everybody accused Trump of being. Oh, he, he'll control everything. He thinks he's the end of the world. And certainly he didn't let the uh, spotlight go without leaving some claw marks on it. But if you can vote somebody out, they're not a dictator. And so there are certain limits to um, what a president can do. But they matter. But these things matter, too. And there's a lot of there's a lot of dollars and there's a lot of people power um, behind what they say. So um, a couple of his um, EOs, that's lingo, executive did, order. Oh. His executive orders the first day was um, he declared that it. Um, if immigrant children get into our country, they'll be citizens eventually. This is These are the dreamers that you've heard of. This is the DACA thing. And he declared they're going to be citizens. We're, this sounds crazy to me. I don't, I don't even know how this gets enacted. But he declared there's no more deporting illegal immigrants. I don't understand that because that's a law. I mean, there, are, there is a law established. And that tells me he's going... 
we're jumping over the law and He's I'm not, make, I'm not picking on him. Yeah. 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 This idea of an executive order. Yeah. Maybe you can. So these, these are some things that Trump did. So Trump would do an executive order and everybody's head would tilt to go, well, there's a lot of legislation that you're going to have to fight to make that thing. But what he's declaring is the intent of his office and administration. And as I said, if, if his team has a majority in both houses of Congress, and he has reason to believe that the Supreme Court would follow him down whatever rabbit trails he wants to create, then he can make these kinds of declaration and, and every sort of federal judge's ears will perk up and go, oh, this is what our this is the way our president is going to lead. Wow. I guess we're, we might have to rethink some of these immigration laws because he's declaring this is what he wants. So I'm telling this to our uh, our dads going, I just want you to know the guy that leads the country is saying these are the kind of things that he wants to do. And so I want us to get upstream of them. So he wants to include all illegal aliens in census counts. And so he, he declared that. And, he, and the, the point here, if, you're, if you don't get why these things are important, is you can consider the, how narrow the margins were on the election. If he can just snap his fingers and say we have a new 10 million people, who, they're, who, who do you think that they're going to cheer for, <laughs> by the way? The guy who wants to throw them out or the guy who says you can stay in our country forever. And so what he can do is snap his fingers and he's got 10 million uh, voters on his side, not to mention the fact that all of the illegal ramifications. I'll, I'll make my point in a second. He wants to stop building the border wall. He, he declared an end of Trump's, quote, Muslim ban, which was travel restrictions for, for the highly dangerous or ter terrorist countries. Um, where where Trump didn't want them coming in. So I, I'll just lump those together with, and just to make this point, the Biden administration wants to, and you can say that it's out of the charity of his heart or whatever, but there's been a lot of um, castigating of, of Trump in these past four years for, for being America first. And... Um, that's been been seen as cruel and harsh. And some of the stuff that I'm describing is seen as, well, much of it is seen as compassionate. We're throwing our arms around the world. We're the melting pot. Let them all come. And and so I would say I would say this is what my reaction to all of that for fathers. OK, here's my point. One, teach citizenship and love of country to your children. Jeremiah 29 says, pursue the peace and welfare of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to me, the eternal, for Babylon, because if it has peace, you will live in peace. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Now listen to what's attached to this thing where you pray for the peace of the city where I sent you into exile. Fascinating. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you and do not listen to the dreams that they dream for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. And the, the context for this passage in Jeremiah is that the people are in exile. 
there's a whole bunch of prophets telling them it's going to get really, really good. Don't worry, everybody. This is going to be very short term. And Jeremiah, the lone voice, says, no, it's not going to get good. Not for a long time. It's going to be really rough for 70 years. You're going to be in exile. And, and right after this, of course, is I know the plans that I have for you. They're good plans. But you need to understand you're in exile. And so while you're in exile, says God, you need to pursue the peace and welfare of the city that I sent you. Now, love of country used to be very popular, and now it is not very popular. But for a Christian, this is what I want you to understand, that the love of your country is an extension of the love of your home. And so the way that you care for your home is that you meet your responsibilities at home. You make sure your house is in order. And then you see, if your house is in order, then you can bring other people into the shade and comfort and protection of your home because it's well run. And like for like a second Corinthians eight mentions, you can share from your plenty. Why? Because your books are in order. You're living according to your budget. We have plenty so we can share. If you're, if you give away all of your money so that your children are hungry and your wife is not clothed properly and you're, and you're not warm in your house because you're such a giver, um, biblically you've destroyed you've destroyed home base your your the home base of your home has gone to zero and you have nothing to give matter of fact people should not follow your example because you don't run a well working home and we could go back to 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 about the about the qualifications for a church leader and and right in that list of the most foundational things is that you have a house that's in order so we share from our plenty. If you do this, if you do that first thing, great, where you run your home in order, then you could also be qualified to maybe help lead the local church. It would stand to reason if you could lead your home well, you could run a business because you could meet your, you can meet your responsibilities. You could pay for your payroll. You can take care of people. You've proven that you can take care of people. You can listen to conflicting sides of an argument. You can be a judge in that way. You can extend vision to the people below you. The way that our faith is set up is that if your home is in order, you earn the right to have further um, repercussions, further influence because your home is in order. If your home is in order, you don't have a right to have any influence anywhere. So you can expand that to, to running a city. My city isn't run wonderfully. It's run by a, a, a group that if they ran their homes this way, they would have nothing to give or offer. They wouldn't be able to even invite the next door neighbor in for a meal because they don't have any, they, they run at a deficit. Our cities have to be run like little houses where we meet our obligations and we can, we can give to others because we're running at a surplus, etc. Oh, we pick up our trash. We know how to take care of ourselves. Now we can give to others. I would say that our country is in such a state that we are running, we're running at such massive uh, budget deficits right now, we can't pay the interest on what we owe. And our country is in such internal turmoil, 
we don't even we're not even sure we can love people if they have a different color skin than us certainly if they're from a different political party and and so there's so much that needs to be done in our own country there's so many poor in our country there's so many broken families in our country i'm not that i'm saying that we're disqualified from doing anything outwardly but to say country first would make all the sense in the world to me not because we want to crunch everybody else because because there's some kind of big international competition for who will be the greatest and we want to be the greatest it's that we, our home our home life is not in order and so it would make sense to have tight borders it would make sense that we would put our attention at home so that we can get because what we're exporting to the world right now is not good stuff jeff what do you think well i'm trying to trying to boil this down because yeah please a, a couple of really interesting things uh first off if america called into the dave ramsey show i think he'd give him an earful yeah, that's uh, right. Okay, so you and I were texting earlier this morning about a passage from Malachi about, um, you want to reiterate that passage really quick? Oh, it just says that the Spirit of God is going to come. This is the great promise at the end of the Old Testament. It was one of the, one of the final prophecies about the Messiah. The Spirit of the Lord is going to come, and He is going to return the hearts of the fathers to their sons and the hearts of the sons to their fathers. So I just want to underline two things I, I'm hearing you say. The first is that if you're out there and there's something in you that says, I really want to make a big name for myself. I want a bunch of influence in the world. Well, hot dog and hallelujah. But if you overlook the home, God's not going to honor that. That's or right. You might get some traction there, but that's not God traction. That's just you by hook or by crook traction. Yeah, it's called marketing. Hmm. And that's and we're all called we're all uh, tempted towards that. Yes. And it and because our culture honors that our culture isn't honor our culture celebrates on the cover of magazines. You remember those? Oh yeah. Uh, celebrates those people who do those things. There's not I know it's cliche to say, but there's not an Us Weekly that goes local dad. Uh, took kids to ice cream and that's right. only had enough money for them and not for him. That's and right. That, that's not celebrated. And yet in, in the Lord's eyes, he goes, I'd much rather that than somebody who ran for office. Or I, And I think most of the people listening probably aren't wanting to run for office, but maybe the translation is what they're doing in their jobs and in their careers. Well, if I can really nail this career thing, that's more important. And nobody would say this, but yeah. I think we we live it out. If I can nail this, that's more important than my home stuff. Now, obviously, as you talk about on the wallet, that there's a lot of connection between your work and what happens with your family. But yeah. I just want to underline anybody who is overlooking their immediate home, for lack of a better term, obligations in favor of something bigger, right. changing the world, they're off on the wrong foot right away. Amen to that. So the second thing, though, as you go into this, would you say that the same basic principles, the same godly basic principles that apply to running a home can be applied to running a nation? Of course. I think that's a big thing. I think that's it is a big thing. Point. It is a big thing. I think we know that. So I, again, let's, we, we can take those principles of running a home and apply them to running a big business. So th these are the standards. It's not like I'm, I don't have a scorecard for Jeff Bezos. But these would be the same principles for him of running the largest corporation, 
of running a city, of running a country, whatever they are. And I would say, you know, if somebody can't lead their own home, they shouldn't be looked to to lead something larger because they're the same principles. And, and oftentimes we go, well, this man failed at home. Well, I could take Trump as an example and go, he failed in his marriages. He failed in his businesses. But let's give him a bigger platform and see how he does there. That's not really a wise way to run things because he's going to take his experience and that's what he's going to duplicate in, in, in a larger platform. This should be the case. This should certainly be the case for your church leaders and your elders. When you look at the people that are running your churches, absolutely. You should, you should put a magnifying on glass on what is your home life like? Cause that's what the Lord does scripturally. There's a demeaning of taking care of our own country is what I'm saying. And I don't think, I don't think that's God's plan at all. I'm, I'm just to, just to put a little button on this. I mean, I think if you're from Denmark, you should be praying for Denmark and you should be saying, I want God's kingdom to, I want his shalom to take place in Denmark. And I want Denmark to be the greatest country in the world, meaning I want it to be healthy. I want it to be financially sound. I want our policies and our laws to reflect the kingdom of God. So that's how I feel about America. Do I think America is the greatest country ever? I wouldn't say those things, but because I live here, I'm praying for its success and I'm praying for its leaders. There's a selfishness to it. In scripture, it says pray. It doesn't just go pray for these people. It says pray for them so that so and that all, you, the so that comes back to me. Yes. The, 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 I recently read a commentary on this passage and the, the, the interest, the interest is on Israel. It, it wasn't in Bab, it wasn't the goodness of Babylon because we really wanted to go. It was God's people, Israel. So how can it go good for them? Well, if Babylon is in order and there's shalom in Babylon, then God's people will experience shalom and it will be good for them. So if you care about the church in your country or your city or your county or your town or your neighborhood, you should care about the church in that place, the bride of Christ. I don't mean a local organization. Then we would pray for the health and the shalom of that county or that state or that country. So, Wait, sorry, I, I want to put a finger on something that I hear often, which is, okay, you're saying we want peace in our nation, and that's going to be better for the people of God, so that we can pursue God the way we're supposed to pursue God. And yet, I often hear, but what about China? The church in China is taken off because there's so much oppression. And it's in, we would say that China is the opposite of Shalom. How do you respond to somebody who says, when there's pressure, there's more godliness, and yet we're asking for the peace here in America? Well, here's the good news. And, and this, this is the good news for any election. It's a good news for no matter what happens in the culture. It's a good news if you're following Jesus. And by the way, this should be taught to your children. Whether we go up or we go down, Blessed be the name of the Lord. No matter what happens, God's kingdom is on the rise. Now, this is just an amazing truth. If the culture around us looks more like the kingdom, then the kingdom advances. Because when we had laws that said um, that uh, marriage between a man and a woman is holy, 
and that anything he does outside of that marriage sexually should be penalized lawfully. This is an expansion of shalom. It's God's, this is God's culture and it goes, it's much more peaceful for God's people. And there's, there's an expansion of God's kingdom. And then when culture turns against God's ways and God's people are persecuted, guess what happens to the kingdom of God? It advances in that scenario because his followers become more devoted to him. They have to choose to lay down their lives for him. They have to give themselves to the study of his word because the culture doesn't even accidentally teach them his word. They'll have to go find his word. So in either case, God's kingdom advances and God wins in either whether the culture is with them or against them. Paul tells Timothy, anyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So we don't have to go looking for persecution. We don't have to pray for persecution. But when it comes, we know how God has designs in it for us. And when things go well for us, are we praying, where's the persecution? No, we give thanks. We give thanks to God that things are peaceful. And that should lead us closer to God's heart. So we don't, we're not looking for either scenario culturally. Although if you're in charge of the culture around you, you should make it godly. But what happens with the culture around us isn't really even our concern. And this is what persecuted Christians tell us from China, from, from that very place. They tell us we're actually not worried about what happens with the culture around us. We just want to be seen faithful wherever we are and what we're doing. And they even say that they don't put any effort towards changing their government at all. They say we, 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 we pray for them the way that we're told to. But whatever policies they come out, whatever anti-God, anti-Christian policies, we don't, that's not our concern, which doesn't even compute to an American brain. Well, of course, I want to make the government work the way I want it to. That's not, that's not actually the, the kingdom heart is I want to change the government. It's that I want to be found faithful. There's a culture that I help create in my home, and there's a culture that I help to create in my church community. I help create it. And so I want to curate those cultures to feel like the kingdom. And, and I'm either reacting with and supporting and teaching my kids. The reason you see these things happen in culture around us are because they agree with God. And I want you to understand them. Or we're teaching our children what you see in the culture around you is not God. And I want you to understand him <coughs> as well. Excuse me. Either way. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Second point. Here's, here's some other things that he, he did on his first day. He released, get ready for it, $1.7 trillion. Billion dollars? Nope. Trillion dollars. That's a thousand billions. That's a made up number. You and I both know it. <laughs> On green technology research. <coughs> Goodness. <coughs> Let me just get something from the sink. Throw it down my throat. <coughs> Today is Abraham's Wallet, brought to you by Ban Rolon, by the great taste Dr. Pepper, and by the Texas Sports Hall of Fame. Come visit the Texas Sports Hall of Fame here in Waco, Texas. Uh, I wish we had. I wish we had those sponsors. Keith Jackson. I appreciate that. He reopened all places in government for diversity training. This was something that that Trump didn't want. He's like, we're reopened for business, all of these areas. He declared a new council to root out, quote, systemic racism in government. 
there will be money connected to that. Let's go find systemic racism in government and let's have a new council to root that out. He declared that this one, Jeff, don't ask me how this gets applied, but I guarantee you there will be people who apply it immediately. He declared a federal moratorium on evictions of all kind. If people aren't paying their bills, they can't be evicted. That won't have ramifications, thankfully. Yeah, that that that's going to be great. Because all property owners are Mr. Monopoly. Exactly right. He put a pause, and again, incredible policy, and think of the ramifications. He said, we're going to put a pause on all um, principal and interest payments for student loans. I think he, I think there's a time frame on that, like it's six months or something. But he's just like, as of right now, you don't have to you don't have to be repaying your student loans. I'm going to throw in a couple of election promises into this bucket. One of his election promises is that he was going to raise the minimum wage. Do you know what the minimum wage is in Colorado? Not a clue. It's eleven dollars and ten cents. Okay. Which I think it was about four bucks when I was a kid in Ohio. Mm-hmm. 375 when I worked at Lowe's Theater as an usher. Okay. I got paid 225 an hour as a waiter, but there was some some something that you're going to get a tip yes. share that's going to bring you above the minimum wage. In Ohio, the minimum wage is Now listen, the minimum wage in Ohio right now is $8.55. Biden promises that he's going to make the minimum wage nationally $15. He wants to rescind all Trump tax cuts. These are election promises. He wants to add $200 a month to everyone's social security check. He wants to forgive up to $10,000 of student debt loans to whomever. 10K, right? Just remove from your loans. Now, We're in a country of free money. That's, that's right, what we've become. Right. Now, I just want to make a little point here which is that the government, our government, they don't have any money. Number one, they, they, they are, they're in a, they're, they have borrowed more money than they can ever repay. Their only way of getting money is taking it out of your savings account. They don't have any money except to take it away from the citizens again when we talk about the borders when as i'm describing these things your mind boggles going what do we think that we're going to give to illegal aliens that come in we can't even pay for our electricity bill he, so real, real quick wait let's just clarify yeah you're not saying don't let anybody in you're saying you're it's like it's like saying if 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 your spouse Kept saying, I want to have all these people over for dinner. Right. Like, oh, that's great. That's yeah, great, honey. I love this gonna, idea. This is wonderful. So we're going to get some steaks. And wait, hang, whoa, hang on. We don't, our kid is eating a Snicker bar because that was, they found under the couch. Yes. But if we're going to be godly, we're going to have to bring a bunch of people. That's exactly what, that's exactly what the church thinks. Now there's a much bigger issue. I'll just say this as a little bomb in everybody's brain. The church right now is much more interested in out stuff, which is reaching out with the gospel, all of our little reach out, 
programs for the poor. We're much more interested in reach out than we are taking care of our own home. And by that, I mean teaching our people what's the gospel, growing people up as disciples, setting men up as the leaders of their home so they can raise their families in godliness. We're not interested in that by and large. We're interested in these out things. And so we like the idea of reaching out, giving, but our home is not in order. I've made the point already. So uh, just, just for background, Biden, he was, quote, tough on crime in the 90s. That was, that, was, that was a popular thing to say then, so he said it. Now, because of what's culturally popular, he now wants to reduce incarceration, it's and not so a weird he, goal. It, it begs, it, it makes you go, how are you going right. to Right. I'll that? tell you how. Great, great point. Great point, Jeff. It's a great goal. I mean, I would love to have nobody in any of our prisons. Here's how he wants to do it. $20 billion on a grant program to incentivize states to invest in, quote, incarceration reduction efforts, including eliminating any mandatory minimum sentences, decriminalizing marijuana usage of any kind, and completely end the death penalty. We're, gonna get, we're not going to get in deep weeds in, on any of those. My point is that what he wants to do is throw money at it and, and retrain our judges so that they simply don't give out the same kinds of of sentences for people who are breaking the same laws as ever. I could I could run a marathon if it was three miles. Let's change those finish lines. So what? He, yeah, I, I I can get the incarceration rate down. Great. How? Well, let's just not make certain things. Let's let's get rid of all the jails. Okay. Well, that's sort of a, that's yeah. one way of doing it. Yes. He wants funding for some funding for police redirected to, quote, social services, that usually means welfare money, which isn't always bad. I'm just telling you what it, what it is. And, and $300 million into, quote, community policing. This means Joe on the corner will be responsible for looking out his window occasionally. Did I see any armed robbery? I did not. I'm doing my job, community policing. Okay. I'm not going to say any more. I'm going to make my point. But point two is teach personal responsibility to your children. This is not something that the culture is going to teach them. But if you want to raise children who are godly, you need to teach personal responsibility. I'll give you two little verses on this. First Timothy 5.8. If anyone fails to provide for his own, and especially for those of his own family, he has denied the faith by disregarding its precepts. And he's worse than an unbeliever who fulfills his obligation in these matters. Wait, what did it say? It said, he, whoever doesn't give to poor people. No, no, you did, I don't think you heard it right. No, no, no. Sorry, it's cutting out. It, it wasn't about giving to others. It was failing to provide for his own, especially those of his own family. Now, I, I'm not here to change the way the government works. And, and, I, and I'm, I'm actually not, I know I sound critical of what the Biden administration is going to do. They, they can do whatever they want to do. I'm not concerned about that. I'm concerned about our church leaders being shaped and formed by the culture instead of God's word. So I want you to raise your children in a way that they have personal responsibility. 
So we're supposed to take care of our homes first. Second Thessalonians 3.10 is my second verse. It says, while we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. Now, I'm not talking about the people that we're, that we're giving money generously to, although you can apply this there and you can do that on your own time. I'm talking about you training your children that they're supposed to be contributors and participants in what you do at your home. So we're supposed to teach to our children personal responsibility. If you don't know this, your five-year-old should have chores around the house. They don't have to be onerous, but they could be something that a five-year-old could handle. We're teaching personal responsibility. We're teaching being contributors. And let me say again, the culture is not going to teach them this. You have to teach them this. You have to get ahead of the culture. So I want to underline, restate what I'm hearing as a theme here. So let's say my kids are at a school and I'm sensing, wow, while the culture at that school is such that, boy, they're learning to take responsibility and face challenges and all that. I'm like, wow, well, great. What I'm teaching at home is, you know, fitting right in perfectly. Mm-hmm. But if, if let's say they're out with friends and they come home and they're learning the opposite. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I can't really change that. I mean, I could pull them out of that friend group. I can't really change it. But that just means I've really got to be I got to be doubly sure what I'm teaching at home. Going back to this, this larger thing, one of the big knocks that people had against Trump, and I think John Piper wrote about this, was this guy and the way he talks about things, it's affecting our culture because yeah. our leader is talking a certain way. And yeah, those were all bad things. And so yeah. because that was, I hate to say, I, I guess the head of our country, the head of our culture was doing that. Boy, that would mean at home we've got to we got to make sure that that doesn't seep that arrogance doesn't seep into ourselves and our children. And I think what you're pointing out in these Biden executive orders and the promises was let me just tell you what the culture is going to start to try to impress upon your family so That's that right. you could so when you're talking about incarceration rates and all that, hey, there's some communication through all of this that says so uh, personal responsibility doesn't matter. Yes. We're not going to fight against that. We're just saying that's happening. So, dad, it's doubly important for you to affirm that. If the culture was all about personal responsibility, if that was a big thing, was it still important to teach at home? Yes, but you're not having to swim upstream. on. Yeah, the culture's helping you. That's right. And the culture's and not that, helping you on this anymore. And couldn't we say, I, th- I think it's important to point this out there are certain things that our culture helps us on oh yeah the fact is there is we we as a we as a nation for the most part respect honesty we we for the most part respect there are certain things that do help us along but there are certain things that don't i would also say everything that we would say is a positive that helps us along is a carryover of Judeo-Christian foundations that were put into this country. So um, in Middle Eastern countries, being a really good deceiver is seen as a plus in business um, and and at home. And so what you can get away with, you're a wonderful scoundrel and you you should lead people because you're such Mm -hmm. a great scoundrel. We don't believe that. You know why? Because the Torah was the foundation of, of, of this particular culture. And we're really blessed because of that. It's, it's a real boon for us. And when you think of Nazi Germany and you think that what was the highest 
thing was love of land and power. And so you would respect power. people who were so powerful, powerful. and rode roughshod over anyone, over their neighbor, over yes. whoever. You yes. felt like what a killer, what a killer citizen. Oh man, they can go get power. That's but, the opposite of what God would communicate. And so they, the Christians there would have to swim upstream on those things. Absolutely. So as an example, um, my, my, I got a girl who, who, you know, interacts with the street girls uh, in our neighborhood and I won't go into details, but she, she had really awful things done to her by, by neighbor, neighbor kid, neighbor girl. And so I, shrugged my shoulders. I wasn't unduly offended. I just thought, well, we have to deal with this. Went and knocked on the neighbor's door and kind of replayed the incident to to uh, them about little Susie. And um, the the response from the parents was immediate to me. Inst- like it, like they had been like they knew their next line of the script. I mean, just didn't pay any attention to to my story of the incident and what had happened and what their child has done, which was really cruel and deserved at least some kind of spankings. I mean, my kid would have been grounded for weeks and just said, you've got to understand that Susie is a very spirited. She ha- she has a she has in her heart <clears throat> uh, something that makes her want to do what she feels is right and just in any moment. And sometimes she goes to extremes about that. And so, you know, that's, that's just how she is. And, and you know what, I have to say, I would appreciate it if you didn't talk to her about this anymore. Don't, don't bring this up to her anymore because that will, she'll feel intimidated by you and it, it will be troubling for her. That's my example of somebody who's not teaching their child that you are responsible for your actions and the way that it impacts others is on you. That's what the culture is going to be saying to us, and we have to teach our children otherwise. I'll put a little plug in here for for a little uh, child book series aimed at 6 to 10-year-olds, I believe, maybe 12, and they're called the Tuttle Twins. T-U-T-T-L-E. And you can get like 18 of their books for 50 bucks or something. And they're these, they're well illustrated and they teach different principles of personal responsibility. There's one book about, yeah, fiction. So, you know, there's little stories about um, why does the strong man at the circus get paid more than the, the acrobats? Well, because he's a commodity, there, there's not many people that can do what he can do. And he puts butts in the seats at the circus. And so this is why he gets paid more. Why isn't everyone paid the same? You know, it explains these things in little in little great little anecdotes. And um, my my kids love them. I can say that the parrots, the parrot kids love them as well. Um, so we're fans of the Tuttle Twins. It helps teach personal responsibility. We do money in my house the same way. We are, our kids um, get paid for, um, they get paid for doing their regular chores. There are chores they can do that are up, over and above their regular chores. They get paid for those. And when they get paid money, they can spend them, save them and give them. They, they, they have responsibility goes with, they have responsibility that goes with those things. Anyways, you should teach it at home. It's up to you to figure out how to do that. I don't know where else we're headed with this, but I'm walking away with such understand, or at least a lens through which I can look at the the politics, culture, what's going on. Is it 
am I swimming upstream or downstream? Am, is this helping my little girls or is it not helping my little girls? And I think right. it's important for us. And now anybody who, let's say you're a Biden supporter, you could listen to anything of this thing Stephen listed and go, well, actually what he's trying to, okay, yeah, sure. Got it, got it. Yeah, yep. yeah that's that's not the point. The point is what is, and, and I would also say, apply the same lens if you are a Biden human, apply the same lens uh, to this administration that you did to the to the last, and sure. vice versa, sure. vice versa, and go. Let oh, I just need to look and go. What is being impressed? I keep thinking that phrase impressed upon me and my family. Is it pro kingdom or is it the opposite of the kingdom? Yeah. And I, as a dad, as a as a as a family leader, I got to be aware of those things so I know how to how to course correct my family as we go. Yeah. So just to give a little list of things that that represent personal responsibility, don't overspend your income. Pay back what you promised. Show up when you say you will. Take responsibility for your mistakes and apologize. Own up to them. Work to regain trust. Clean up your messes. Um, you know, sometimes we have to clean up after our kids. But there comes an age when we need to stop doing that and we need to send them back. You took this puzzle apart and dumped it out all over the floor. I'm not cleaning it up. You did that. Clean it up because we want it's not because I'm I'm above cleaning up a puzzle. It's because I'm trying to teach my children they're responsible for what they do. OK, moving on. Book, Book of Virtues, by the way. Can I throw that out? Bill yeah. Bill's Book of Virtues is just wonderful. There was a follow-up called the moral compass, but they're full of stories that he's drawn from all sorts of cultures saying this, these, this set of stories underlines responsibility. This set of stories underlines friendship. They're, Fantastic. they're wonderful. I love the, love that book. I, I got two more points I want to make, and I know we're going long. Let me, let me, I'm going to hit these quicker. Everyone's listening on two times, so don't worry about it. Okay, we're good, good, good. Way behind. This isn't really falling in a category, but you should know that the Biden administration wants to fall out of supporting Israel, which which Trump, um, among his many faults, did that very well. Um, he wants to expand the Affordable Care Act to the tune of $2.25 trillion. He wants to deal with racism by broad economic and social programs and wants the first payment on that to be $30 billion. He wants to give federal student aid to illegal aliens. Federal student aid, that's your money. He wants to expand tuition-free colleges and he believes that two years should always be free. He wants universal preschool access. Uh, so you know, preschool isn't a, isn't a government fund. If you do preschool, you're, you're paying for it out of some church or something. He wants that to also be in the public school system as preschool. He wants paid family time off and sick leave for anybody. Um, he's, he's going to release a council to start studying reparations so he's taking it seriously that we should do reparations for generations old sins. So he's going to give, give a council some money to start working on studies. I'm just telling you this so you know where things are going. He's banning for-profit charter schools, which is, in my personal opinion, 
because the government doesn't have any money, any quote business they run um, is something that they're taking away from private citizens who could be running that business and we could all be earning profits and money by, by offering one of the things that are valuable. Say, for instance, all the companies that do delivery better than our postal system, but we keep the post office going because it's a giant government system. So he the great wants, Thomas Sowell, the great Thomas Sowell, hundred flip, or is he hundred? He's old. He's in his nineties. This conservative man, he just in his nineties wrote a book about charter schools, and he said he po- makes the great point. He says the government has decided when it comes to this beyond anything else, we will not allow competition. Right. And the, and our and we can be so sucky at it. Yeah, we will still be in business. And Sol says, name another business that gets to exist according to its own. It is nonsense. And what's more important than educating our children? And we're like, no, we don't want people to compete to be better and better at this thing. We just want it to be off on the side. I'll be honest. Of everything you've listed, I I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. That one I heard and went, I didn't know that. And that one makes me mad. That one makes me very, very mad. And if you care about... Let me say this. If you care about the poor and you care about actually getting people out of poverty, please look into Soul and his take on charter schools and don't just go, well, people just want that because, you know, it's going to help. No, no, no. It's proven time and time again to help. So in the 80s, Biden supported a proposed amendment that would let states reverse Roe v. Wade. And he used to be much more conservative than he is. But now he wants to he wants abortion expanded because he wants to, quote, reverse Trump's attacks on abortion rights. Trump has attacked abortion rights. I would have said that he had helped to defend babies who, who, no, who can't defend themselves. But he wants a federal statute that will legalize abortion um, in a statute so that even if the Supreme Court's conservative majority strikes down Roe v. Wade, abortion would still be legalized and protected. And he wants the Affordable Care Act to pay for the abortions. That is, you and I, with our money, we would be paying for um, people who who want to kill their babies but don't have the money that we would give them the money. He wants to restore federal funding for Planned Parenthood and Planned Parenthood endorsed him. And Trump had, was, was trying to uh, disentangle the federal government from Planned Parenthood. I, I could go on about, about this, but, that, but you know, one of, the big, one of the big bellwethers of his campaign was, was this whole abortion issue. So I hope this goes without saying but fathers, teach your families the sanctity of human life. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. That means, when, when does a life begin? It actually begins before conception in the heart of God. And a, and, and a child being conceived is the, is the incarnation and inauguration of that which God had already planned in his own heart. And here's this child. I already know this child, says God. This child that exists the size of a piece of rice in your womb. I know that child, and I actually have a destiny planned for that child. 
Psalm 139.13, we, we, I hope we know, you formed my innermost parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Whenever I see a pregnant mom or hear that someone's with child, I imagine God's knitting needles inside that womb. And he is building the body for a soul and a spirit that he had planned before the world began. And, and human life has cooked into it God's image. This is from Genesis 2, I believe, that he had put God's image, his stamp on every human. That means all colors, no matter what, what culture you're born into, doesn't matter what sin patterns there are on your life, it doesn't matter if you're the worst mass murderer of all time, built into your heart is the image of God himself. It's baked into a human being. And protecting those who cannot protect themselves. And yes, I mean uh, the aliens from outside our borders. Yes, I mean foreigners. Yes, I mean uh, people who don't have an IQ. Uh, yes, I mean everyone has God's image on them. I, I have um, in my family, um, there's a Down syndrome child in my extended family. We love that girl because God's image is on her, period. It doesn't matter what her intelligence is or what her capabilities are. In my extended family, there was a baby born at 23 weeks, and she made it. And by God's grace, she's two years old now, and she's a miracle. And, and under the wrong doctors, they would have killed that child because of, because of the age that she was born at. And we have to teach the same... I'm, this might have been some, you know, it's a shoulder shrug. I mean, I think we know this. Don't we know this? No, your children don't know this. And you have to teach it to them because the culture wants to conform them into its image, which says that life is valuable if it gives us what we want. That's not what makes life valuable. God's image on a person makes them valuable. Okay. The, the, last, the last little category, I just mentioned a couple of campaign promises. I don't know if he's done anything on these, but again, he's telling us that he will. He wants to enact the Equality Act, which some of you might have heard of. The Equality Act would amend the Civil Rights Act to prohibit discrimination from gender identity or sexual orientation. So that means you can have sex with whoever, with whatever and whomever you want. You can declare yourself any or no gender, and you would be the same under law as a black person saying that I deserve the same rights and considerations as a, a person of any other color. They're saying these, these claims are equal. A black person's claim to uh, rights under the Civil Rights Act is the same as somebody who's sticking it wherever and declares themselves of whatever gender they want. Those are the same. So we want to amend the Civil Rights Act. He, he wants to um, uh, fight the anti-discrimination law on the basis of religious beliefs. That is, I could choose to hire somebody. I could choose to have a client. I could choose to perform services as my business um, based on religious beliefs, and he wants to knock that down. Um, he was the first VP to support same-sex marriage at a time when nobody did. Now 70% of Americans do. And he says that discrimination, listen to this quote, he says that discrimination against trans, what we used to call transvestites, transsexual people, 
is the civil rights issue of our time. Now, you got to understand these people are 0.05% of the population. But I want you to see the curve of what happened. He was the first vice president to support same-sex marriage at a time when the whole country said, we don't believe in that. Now 70% of Americans believe that. Why? Because a cultural flow came out of the White House and it affected the way the nation thinks and believes. Maybe even you listening to this. 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you would have thought this is crazy. Now he believes that transgender, transsexual people is the civil rights issue of our time. And his vice president, uh, Kamala, has a lifetime perfect rating from the human rights campaign. Now, all of her time in government, she has a lifetime perfect rating. That means whatever is the most out there thing, she has voted for it, thumbs up, all day long. So this stuff is coming our way, and, and he believes that eight-year-olds should be able to decide to change their gender if they want to, and that the parents should go along with it. So I'm just telling you these things. My, I'm, I'm not anti-Biden. My goal is not to bash him. I want you to know what's coming in the culture. But he doesn't tweet. Thank goodness that civility has come back into the White House. Okay, so here's my point four. Teach your children that sin is evil no matter who endorses it. Teach your children what sin is according to God's word. And that's not a bad thing, by the way. My, my church is teaching on sin coming up. Well, who, who'd ever thought that? Did you know that much of what Jesus taught about was hell? Much of what Jesus taught about was hell. And that teaching people what sin is, is not, does not make them bad or judgmental. It doesn't make them Pharisees. It makes them sensitive to that which God hates. I want my children to be sensitive to the things that I hate in my house, and I want them to be sensitive to what God hates. So we have to teach sin to our children and teach them that sin is evil no matter who endorses it. 2 Timothy 3 says there will be terrible times in the last days. Now, I've cherry-picked from this little list in 2 Timothy 3 uh, to, to give you the most benign things that we wouldn't think are that bad in America today. But listen to the terrible times listed in, in 2 Timothy 3. People will be lovers of themselves. People will be lovers of money. People will be boastful. That's the terrible times coming. They will be disobedient to their parents. What? We don't even have any sensitivity to that anymore. What's wrong with that? No, that's terrible times. Biblically speaking, that's awful. Children who are disobedient to their parents will be ungrateful. Could you imagine being ungrateful? I, I, I'd ask you, do you know anybody who is grateful? That's how rare it is. It's sin. We, would be, we might be, in the end times, we might be unholy. We might be unforgiving without self-control, something I'm working on with one of my children right now. Not lovers of the good. Could you imagine how terrible it would be in the last times if people didn't love that which is good? That's what, that's what 2 Timothy 3 says. They might be rash. <laughs> Can you imagine that being called out as one of the great sins of the end times? People might be rash. 
They might be conceited. They might love pleasure rather than loving God. Can you imagine? Having a form of godliness but denying its power. Have nothing to do with such people. Now, there are even in the top echelons of our government, there are people who claim religious uprightness and they want a form of godliness, but they deny the worship of God or all of his statutes. And it says it has nothing to do with these people. So I just encourage you fathers to teach your children that sin is evil, no matter who endorses it. And that evil is a real thing and that we have to stay away from it. So with every new statement or law or regulation passed, every executive order, for every new packet of money that gets handed out in the next four years, please ask yourself, is this what my father teaches me? And is this what my master would want my children to know and believe? Then teach your children kindly and without malice the answer to that question. And if you don't, the culture will train your children for you and they'll be led away from the things of God. So fathers, when the, as we've been discussing, when the culture is for the things of God, you need to underline it and train them in it. When the culture, where the culture is against the things of God, you need to underline it and train your children in the opposite. Strike up the Hammond. Uh, <laughs> there is, some, as Daryl and Virgil say, yes. there is something also, if you're doing really good in your home, and your kids are get like, oh, this is, uh, the, you know, they're living in the milieu that you've created that's kingdom minded. I'll warn you, there's going to come a point where they're going to, their brains are going to, one of these, and because they're going to go, wait, wait, the world out there doesn't function the way we right. do in here? Oh, yeah. And that's going to bake their baloney. And you're oh, going to yeah. have to be ready to go. I remember that discussion with our littles going, I remember the time when we went, there's some, there's some people who don't believe in God and don't think that his ways are right. And they're, that doesn't, that can't compute for them. Yes. Which they is a know, really good thing. It's great. It's wonderful. But just know that you have to, you're going to have to get them to that point lovingly. And that doesn't mean we go, well, those people are terrible or we yep. hate them. It's so, so you can lead them to, so babies, you're going to take what we've got here and you're going to take that with you into the world, Yes. whether to give that to others, to share that with others, or that's, you have to hold on to this yes. because out there, you're not going to, this, this stuff isn't going to be affirmed. And what you always, and my, my wife is big on this. We always want them coming back to us to go, I heard this. Yes. Help me understand this. And we can go, oh yeah, well, that's crazy because this isn't what God teaches. And they go, got it. Thanks. Right. Go back out. That's right. My my youngest is nine, and I never wanted to. Uh, there's all sorts of things I don't want to teach my children about because I don't want them to know about evil. Um, but we've gotten to the place where we have to teach them uh, uh, what abortion is, because it's being talked about everywhere, and um, it's awful. I mean, the perplexing, the question mark shooting, almost literally shooting out of their heads as we're describing this to them, like, wait, people do what? Because they've been trained at the great glory of a woman is to be a wife and mother. And so they desperately want children. I mean, they've been practicing with their babies ever since they were two years old. I care for my baby. And they have this dream of having babies and they're thinking like, Wait, 
There are people that don't want their ba- babies. And, and we have to walk, you know, you don't have to have abortion talks with, with your kids necessarily this week, but I'm just telling you, I want to get ahead of it because the culture is talking about abortion so much. And I'm, I'm talking about kids at, in, in third grade. I'm talking about kids on the playground. You wouldn't believe the things. They're t- the questions my kids came home asking me about the election, and I thought, we didn't talk about elections like this when I was in third grade. Nobody would ever talk. But, but you see, it's a cultural value now to politicize and radicalize your own children. That's, that gets parents culture points. And so they want, to, they want their children to be on, on you know, whatever side of things. Um, so we, we have to be a little bit more... Um, a little more resolute. We have to be a little bit more watchful on the edges of, of, of our children's hearts. So that's it. That's all I have to say um, regarding the, the, the administration and the coming cultural changes. And I encourage you fathers to get ahead of it. If you don't like what I'm saying and you want to bang your fist on the table of my email, you're welcome to do it. You can just write, this is going to seem like a joke, um, but this is where emails go. You can write to mark at abrahamswallet.com and we'd love to, we'd love to hear you out. Um, I'm not here to, to browbeat anybody. I want you guys equipped for what's coming, for what's coming culturally. That's all. Jeff, do you have any closing thoughts? No, I appreciate this. I think this is helpful. It's not about, this person or that person in their election. It's about, we are meant to be uh, having an eye on what's going down so that, not so that we can yeah. vote differently and do this and do this and rant and rave. And I, although I'm sure there's place for that, but I think yeah. what you're saying is we need to be looking out there so that we can come back into our homes and go, I can help lead this. Yeah. And I think that for where our culture is and where we're going, we might dip back into these waters several times at the very least probably every four years so that we can go whoever gets into office is going to bring some sins with them and we should be aware of of what's going to happen culturally so jeff thank you for your time i know that this is a this is a chunk of time out of your morning and um, a lot of guys are going to benefit so thanks for talking with us i always enjoy it thanks for the wallet All right. See you people next time. It's Jeff Davenport and Steve Emanuel for Abraham's Wallet. See you next time. Goodbye.